Welcome to the 128th episode of Adventures in Angular. My name is Alyssa Nigel, and I'll be hosting today. Today's episode is about non-traditional developer events. And our guests on the show are Joeen. Hey, everybody. And Tracy Lee. Hi there. We have our usual awesome panelists, which include John Papa. Hello, everybody. And Ward Bell. Fajitas. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, Tracy, tell us why you would be a good person to inform us on these really, like, not traditional, special type developer events. Sure. Um, I, I think, you know, life is, life is short, and I've done many things in my life related to being forced to do things like You know, when you run a startup, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And when I learned JavaScript about a year and a half ago, I um, decided that I wanted to make my life more amazing. So whenever I do anything, I try to, like, be amazing or do it in a way that is going to amuse me and hopefully amuse other people. And I think a lot of the things, after I started organizing a bunch of meetups and conferences in the JavaScript world, I realized that you know, it's all the same, right? It can be all very much the same thing. But if we can add a little bit of jazz into it, like organizing NG cruise on a cruise, or doing things like, um, I don't know, this thought JavaScript contribute days, etc, etc. It makes it more entertaining. And I think people learn better that way. Um. And Joe, tell us about your story and why you are really good to talk about this kind of topic. So I've been the organizer of ng-conf for like four years now and started up a few other conferences. Most of the stuff that I've done has been more on the traditional side, but I definitely, with ng-conf, for anybody who's attended ng-conf, they should definitely have seen that this is a very unusual conference type of event, and we've incorporated other elements besides your traditional conference that you'd see traditional uh, sessions. We've now got a third day that's sandwiched in the middle that has a, a bunch of unique type of activities. So I do have uh, experience doing things a little bit differently at conferences, but certainly not the kind of breadth of experience that Tracy's had with running things that aren't a meetup or are not a conference. But I, yeah, I just as sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, just as having like experienced your conference for the last couple of years in a row, it doesn't feel like the average one. So I can attest to that, where it's it's definitely above and beyond and outside the scope that you would normally expect, which is epic. I think that's why you guys sell out so quickly. So. Right. Yeah, and I definitely am a believer in trying to do things. You know, trying to innovate a little bit. Always. Uh, revisioning or iterating on your ideas and trying to do things a little bit differently and I'm enjoying that we're seeing a lot of different kinds of events that are popping up here and there and I really support those so what drives what drives this need to um, do something different? Um, is there something that you're uh, that you both are searching for uh, to create a different kind of experience that makes uh, it you know, makes it better for us out there. I'm an attendee type. Well, for for me, it's really about, I think the theme for me for the past year has been about engagement, right? Like you can go to a conference and you can have the speakers and NGConf 
and a bunch of uh, Angular Connect, for example, do things like office hours or panels. And um, those are interesting, but really it's about how do you start conversations and create conversations that uh, form interesting ideas, right? Like how are ideas born and how can we help facilitate that through events? Uh-huh. So, 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 intera- so interactions between whom and whom? Um, um, interactions between the speaker and between the actual um, the attendees. So doing things related to that. So like one example is on NG Cruise. Every day we're going to have about half an hour called Interactive Angular and do something that creates that sort of bond or, or you know, whatever. Is it that like special thing? that you can't really force, right? It's just something you have to, like, provide space for, and then hopefully amazing things happen. Yeah. And I think that we could also turn this question around a little bit. I know John and Ward really well. I've been to a lot of conferences with them. And one thing I do not see very often is John or Ward sitting in a seat watching a presentation. And why is that, guys? Well, I'm sure we each have our own reason actually i do i i stand so i stand in the back (laughs) um but i don't go to as many actually as i would like to um in part because i spend i find i spend most of my time out in the hall talking to people Uh, which is Ward's my usually signing autographs, actually. Oh, <laughs> yes. Photos. Yeah. <laughs> photos. I was going to uh, say, it's because the crowd around you is too big to, well, like, fit. no, they're just wondering who that idiot is in the clown suit. <laughs> uh, Giving uh, fashion advice, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what I really am doing, dispensing fashion advice. It, clearly, I'm not having the effect I intend, because people are still uh, wearing um, the same old dreary t-shirts and stuff but we'll work on that no it really um the hallway conversations are one of the reasons i come to conferences one of the main reasons one of my main pleasures there and i think conferences could do a better job of fostering that um sometimes you don't see me because i'm doing what speakers shouldn't do which is hiding away desperately trying to finish my talk (laughs) Uh, but that's the dark side of all of this but um uh, I don't know if that was what you were getting at, Joe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's reasons why people go to conferences, and there's, you'll see people sitting in the seats, but there's also this need that I think a lot of people feel. I think that I see that in John and Ward and how you get what you guys do at conferences, that is to go beyond just watching a session. And so what you're talking about, like, I want to address specifically your point on speakers, right? Like being so busy preparing their talks. One of the things that we do at ng-conf is we have this set of expectations the speakers have to go through. And part of that is to have your talk finished, you know, at least two weeks before the conference and submitted with all the slides. So what we don't have to worry about is all the day two speakers completely absent day one prepping their talks. Of course, that doesn't uh, completely obviate the problem, especially with the Angular team. Those guys are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't entirely get rid of it, Joe. I, I agree, but the biggest reason I hate some conferences that I go to, I hate's a bad word, I guess, but I really have a big problem. I've been very vocal about this is I believe we should abolish the speaker room. At all I'm right there. I was just yeah. about to cheer you on on that one, Joe. Get rid of it. Get your talks ready before you go to the show. And, you know, Fluff it up when you're there, you know, spend an hour or two in your room the night before doing it. But don't 
of, you know, basically become an absentee attendee of the conference because uh, you're missing out on the best part. I spend most of my time talking to people, asking them, what are you building? What problems do you find? How did you like that talk? What's interesting you now? What don't you like about this technology? You learn more about asking people things than you do about talking uh, on a stage or about prepping your own talk. So to me, I, I get more out of the NG comp than I think most of your attendees do. I'm some uh, being very selfish about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think I've seen another innovation in conferences. The React Rally was the first one I've been to that really did this. But they had a lot of really long breaks. What was very interesting was they had their first conference year one just after React Conf itself was held, I don't know, four or five months before. And the very next year when React Conference held, they did the same exact thing. They broke up their schedule and had much, many more of these really long breaks and opportunities for people to talk. And so this conference is happening in between the gaps, you know, uh, in the spaces in between the conference. That's a very interesting thing to me as a conference organizer and something that I want to see more of, and which is one of the reasons why I, was all, I got on board with the idea of doing a conference on a cruise, for example, but also some of the other things that Tracy's been doing. I really like the, those ideas, and when I do NGConf, I'm always looking for ways to foster that. We try to do some organized activities so that it's not just, hey, here's a 30-minute break. Hopefully, people start having conversations, but also we can have some organized conversations, and we see that in lots of other conferences as well. Well, you know, what the way conferences used to exist, if you think about where they all came from, and some of you might uh, not have not been around as long as uh, Ward and I have these days, but uh, conferences used to exist because they were for announcements of technology mm-hmm. and for training. You literally would go there to learn how to use the product from end to end in a lot of ways. And they'd have, t- I mean, we have a couple workshops at NGConf. It used to be like almost all workshops, and even the sessions were like training. Sometimes they were an hour and a half or longer. And with the advent of the way open source has changed our industry, they don't have time anymore for announcements. Like, they don't schedule an announcement for NGConf so much as they will. It's announced when it's announced. And now talks are more like, hey, let's share ideas. Let's, let's just innovate. Let's inspire somebody. And training's more for the actual workshop days of a conference or for offline type things. Mm-hmm. So I think that the way that the industry has changed has actually driven the need for some of these new conferences like what Joe and uh, Tracy are doing. Yeah, just to recap, so a lot of things that people go to traditional conferences for are the community or the like hallway meetings and conversations that you have. And then like John just said, um, actually going to talks nowadays has turned more into um, learning and inspiring and innovating with each other. And so I'm curious to hear from Joe or Tracy if these special non-traditional type events maybe lend a hand towards these things or i mean why even do them is there something that just really pops out at them for you that you're like this is why we do them i think for for me um for we just launched something called this dot javascript so what this is is this dot it's so great Um, It's really about keeping up with the advancement of prominent open source frameworks. So the whole idea is, I think, because there's no, like, real good way for us to consume information that's happening within all the different major open source frameworks and libraries, except for online, right? It's very segmented. 
Um, so on January 20th, what we're doing with this .javascript is we're bringing together core team members from Ember, Angular, Vue, Polymer, Rx, and React, and having them do a quick 15-minute sort of like state of the framework type thing. And we're going to be doing it every quarter so that you can keep up with it. Um, we'll be releasing the videos online and then a month following, there's going to be sort of like an AMA type panel type thing that's going to be live streamed so that people can participate. But what I'm hoping to do is bridge the gap between, uh, you know, it's like, oh, these cool people are doing these things and I can't talk to them to, hey, we're all about the community. We're all about educating, like, what are the problems you're having? Also, if you're looking to get involved, like, what are the big things that you can help contribute to? as a community. That's really fantastic. Who came up with this? Was this like your idea, Tracy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be really cool. I mean, I think um, bringing all six of those people together is like, Mishka will be there for Angular, Dan Abramov for React, Ben Lech for uh, RxJS, Evan Yu for Vue, Matt Beal for Ember, and then Rob Dodson for Polymer. So, Super exciting. And for me, one of the things that interests me about doing these things a little bit differently is I think back to when I first started attending conferences, you know, way back in the late 90s at Microsoft and why I went to the conferences and over time where I was finding the value as an employee. And I think that there's this kind of like difference between what an employer wants out of sending an employee to a conference and what an employee wants out of going to a conference, right? I think there's a lot of reasons that people like to go to conferences. One is it's a break from work, right? It's something different. Two is you get to meet people that you maybe idolize or are interested in or just meet new people that you didn't know before and form interesting friendships. Um, another is to network for professional reasons. I, I hate to say this, but a lot of people, they find new jobs at conferences or meet why, people. Why is, that a, is that a bad thing? Or? I don't Personally, I don't think so. I know, and for an employer, it is, right? Yeah. The employer doesn't want to send you there to find a new job. Right. Certainly <laughs> oh, they don't. <laughs> but as a conference organizer, I want to enable that, right? I want to enable that if you're not happy with your job and in the end, for the employer, it's better to have an employee who's not happy with their job gone so they can fill the spot with somebody who is happy, right, mm. than it is to be stuck with an employee who's not producing to their capability when somebody else could. So I definitely want to enable that, but also all the other reasons. And learning is definitely one thing. When I go to conference sessions, I don't find that I learn how to do things. I get ideas, right? Yep. So I want people yep. to be able to get those ideas, but I also want them to learn how to do stuff. And a lot of time learning how to do stuff just can't happen in a session. So workshops are great for that, hands-on type activities, and looking for ways where people can figure out how to do something. Or another great way is just to meet somebody who knows about the topic. And maybe you spend a few minutes asking them a very specific question, like, uh, Ben Lesh, I've got this problem with my RxJS that it's, uh, making, I'm, I'm using this operator and I don't know why it's doing it and Ben can strain that out for me because he's an expert in RxJS. But trying to tweet that out or, you know, network, putting something on Stack Overflow can often be problematic. And now I know somebody who's an expert and when I, if I do tweet yeah. out at him later on, he'll recognize my name. 
So if you're somebody who's trying to get to a conference, uh, I know the hard part when you work at a big company is convincing somebody there's value in going to the conference that you want to go to because there's a lot of cost. Yeah, to get the time off from work, you've got travel, you've got the hotel, you've got the ticket. It does cost money. But the way that I've come about this, a quick anecdote that happened to me was I've been speaking for years, but where I work, there were a couple of very high-level executives who were like, you know, those are just conferences, John. There's nothing real world about them. You're not adding any value by going to them. What are you getting out of it? And it took time for them to see this, but I was telling them, I was like, look, I'm not learning like Joseph. I'm not learning and, and teaching myself how to do stuff there. I'm making connections with people so when I have certain problems or design decisions I have to make, I know who to reach out to to get real-world experience and input on this problem. And that exact thing is what's helped design some of the things that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. And now those same people are like, you know, it's really valuable that you have those connections. So it takes time to kind of see that, but that's another way to look at it with the people. It's not that you're getting taught. It's you're finding out that, oh, Joe Weems is the expert on this. If I have to accomplish that, I can reach out to him, and within a day I've got an answer. Right. Yeah, I think it's – because it's kind of unrealistic to think, hey, during a two- or three-day conference, I'm going to learn everything that I need to know or I'm going to answer all these questions. But you're completely right about the just the relationships that are created through that, and that way you can answer it in the future, and you have those, like, connections now. So, yeah. I think that's actually kind of – so it's funny because I think all of us have been going to conferences forever, and, and – we, we realize that, you know, it's, it's never really about going to the sessions, right? Like I, I rarely go to any of the sessions, um, because I can usually watch them online as well. Uh, but I think most people, when they go to conferences, like my friends who maybe, you know, only have that one conference allocation per year, try to go to as many sessions as possible. Cause that's all they want to do. All they want to do is sort of learn, 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 and then mm. learn. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, that was my conference right i was like oh i gotta i gotta watch this thing about this and you know i was really excited about the different the different tracks i think another good way to help your your employer kind of see the value in it too though <laughs> is when you come back write a trip report about it mm. you know write something up about what you saw learned what value you gained out of it uh, maybe you learned not to do something while you were there too or you just learned that other people have had the same problem you did Right. I'd have no problem at all if an employer said that's the condition under which you go. You go, but you've got to come back, and and you've got to bring back stuff that we can. And, and, uh, you know, as a conference organizer, it might be actually, there might be a way that that you could sort of facilitate that so more enterprises would feel better about paying. That's a great idea. It's just a thought to Hmm. put in the bonnet. Oh, that's an interesting Uh, thought. Um because that would make it a little easier for them to justify the check. Uh, I'm thinking about Tracy's question, and I realized actually it goes back to Joe's thing about word I hardly see you in the sessions, and you may have noticed that I began by feeling a bit of regret about that. Oh, yeah, I was actually going to say that exact thing of this last year because I was speaking at so many and then talking in the hallways. I was feeling sad because I wasn't actually getting to see every single session, and so I can't believe you went through that same thing. I, I do, uh, because I, you know what, I know that somebody put some magic into their uh, presentation, and I have been there. I've sat in a room and, and seen the magic. Um, you know, not everybody is great, but, uh, but there, are, there are sessions that just catch your imagination. And I've watched them later on video, and they didn't have nearly the power 
um, that they had when people were in the room. And for no particular reason, um, a presentation that Taro gave at NG Confla a year ago sticks in my mind in which he was meshing um, uh, some uh, new animation library with musical uh, forms that are generated mathematically or something That was so much more powerful in person, I agree with you. Uh, I looked at it later and you couldn't see it. You couldn't see it, but... But but in the room you could feel people gasping almost. I mean, I don't want to say it was kumbaya, but it felt like it. Uh, you know, holding hands, you know, weeping and stuff like that. And uh, all right, I was. Weeping, I didn't see anybody weeping. I was. I was weeping. I was weeping. But I'm a weeper. Um, the the thing is. Uh, and I've, you know, you meet somebody in the hall and occasionally they'll tell you about a session they saw over there that was, that so moved them or so shook up what they were thinking about that you know that that one session was worth their entire trip. So I do not want to suggest that a conference is some place to go to avoid sessions. (laughs) Right. Uh, the sessions are there. Go ahead. But you want to balance it, right? You want to go see a couple. Like I always pinpoint a couple at NGConf uh, to go see, and then a couple where I'm like, you know what? I can catch this one online later. Uh, and it's mostly because I want to make sure I'm scheduling time to talk to people in the hallways too. But I probably saw, I'm going to say, four sessions, maybe five live at NGConf last year. And consider uh, that being a speaker, you also have some of your time that just wasn't as available anyway. Exactly, yeah. So that's like a regular attendee seeing a lot more. Yep, uh, and that's I'm why you. I'm interested in your your co- in the way in which you can structure your conferences. Those of you who have it, like that's Joe and Tracy, who are, or your events, such that uh, I don't have to make that awful choice. That there's um, mix it up time um, where uh, you know where I'm not in a session and nobody's in a session, uh, as well as session time where I, I you know I can dip in and out and maybe I get have that moment of magic. Well, and you got some good deal. time. Oh, so I was saying is I don't know if now's a good time to mention open spaces, but I have gone to them before and they kind of feel like the answer to this. But maybe I'm wrong because it is it does give you that availability to like a create an open space that you want to be a part of and that you want to talk about. And then B, you can leave at any point and, you know, you stay for as long as you feel comfortable and you can jump from room to room. So I don't know if you guys wanted to talk about that. I know, Tracy, you said you were doing something with open spaces. Yeah, so the, what we're doing on the cruise is a lot is really innovative towards this end. And Tracy could probably give us a really good rundown of it. I think there's a few parts on the cruise. Like the NG cruise, again, is to really facilitate relationships and conversations and ideas. So we are doing these open spaces where... We will have a little bit of programming, like an hour here and there, but there will also just be an open room where people can go and hang out. Um, Then on stage, we'll be doing panels with the speakers so that conversations can actually happen and Q&A can happen. But then, and I I think this is the benefit of being small enough that we can actually be single track. (laughs) Uh, Then we'll have this interactive angular thing. And again, I haven't really decided... Joe and I have been brainstorming some ideas on what that exactly means, but want it to be something where the attendees can bond over and learn things while, you know, certain people are on stage. Um, I think one of the one of the exciting things about conferences, I remember the first conference I ever went to, it was O'Reilly's Web 2.0 back in, I think, 2008 or so, and maybe it was 2009. I had won a ticket and... 
the relationships that I built in that, that conference, maybe six or seven people really stayed with me for many, many years to come. So it's, it's kind of awesome, I think, and magical for conference attendees to have that opportunity to like build these really strong bonds and relationships that actually become uh, really meaningful and lasting, right? Like my, one of my co-founders, for example, of my first company, uh, one of my first companies, um, he found me on Twitter when I was tweeting at this conference and it wasn't until a year later that he told me why, how he had found me on Twitter and it was at that conference. So there's like really cool special things that I think that happen to conferences that I think people maybe who don't go to them very often need to understand, like you should look out for these magical things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited about the cruise for this specific purpose. It's almost like it's an experiment in doing a conference entirely different Right with NGConf, we ha- we keep it fairly like a regular conference, but innovate as much as we can. But we, you know, we we have day one and day three are just your typical single track conferences. They're going on from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The the sessions are, and there really isn't much else going on at the time. But with the cruise, I don't know if there's an, I don't know what the exact number is, but I would say it's probably only close to about half the time that's scheduled is actual regular old talk sessions, or is it even less than that, Tracy? Um, you have time to play, and you have time for the conference, so there's programming for all four, like three, there's three and a half days of programming. Right. But you will have time every single day to like go on cruise excursions with people or hang out and you're stuck on a boat, right? Like it's actually really amazing and you have plenty of places to hide on the cruise and everything like that. But like you can go rock climbing with people on the roof. You can, you know, you can go listen to some jazz. We all have dinner together at these really amazing tables or you can like go binge out on pizza at the buffet, you know, like, right. So there's lots of social, there's Mm -hmm. lots of social activities, but then there's also the open spaces that are going on. And I think we've got like four hours or five hours of scheduled open spaces with scheduled topics. I'm doing one on migrating from angular one, one to two or four, whatever Igor tells me to call it. And, uh, there's a bunch of others, and there's several open spaces that are just slotted up times where people can come up with their own topics. Then there's the panels that are going to happen, like, on the, the actual stage with the speakers up there and talking. So and this is all, like, regular scheduled stuff, right? Like, this is on the program and on the schedule versus uh, at a typical conference, you might have your schedule, and then at, at night maybe they get to go do a dinner and they just do some socializing. But on top of the socializing, there's all these other scheduled activities where there isn't anything else going on, right? You're not missing – you're not going to be worried that you're missing out on something else because you have this – and you, instead you have this opportunity to go and participate in a fairly non-traditional activity. So I'm really excited for that aspect of the, the NG Cruise. There's also babysitter time. So if you need to bring your kids or your wife, like number one, wife is definitely not going to be bored. Number two, or husband. Or husband. <laughs> not going to be bored. <laughs> yes, or husband. <laughs> and then number two is um, there is childcare. So yay to that. So you can bring your kids too. Right. No excuses. <laughs> 
Right. So when it when it comes to like NG Conf, we we definitely have to do things a little bit more traditionally than we can do on the cruise, right? We got two days where it's just your typical sessions nine to five, and we have the evenings where there's social activities going on and some other content type stuff, and then we have that middle day where we throw together. The, the main part of it is these hour-long workshops that go on all day long, but there's lots of other activities. Our experts room is kind of one of my favorite innovations, which is uh, there's going to be GDEs or, and speakers just sitting in the room all day long. So if you have any specific Angular questions, you can go in, sit down, show code, and there's somebody that you know is an expert that can help you out with your problem. So I like those sorts of things. But it's really hard, like you guys have said, like... How do you enable these other conversations to go on with NGConf? We have so much material that we feel like needs to be as part part of the conference that we can't just schedule these bigger, longer breaks. Thankfully, we've got three days, so we kind of have more time to give people. But we just hope that, hey, there's sessions that maybe you're not interested in, so you can go outside in the hallway and have conversations. Plus, on the other days, there'll be opportunities. But I like it when a conference has it built into the schedule. I think my favorite parts about NGConf were um, Ward, you karaokeing. That was amazing in your outfit. Um, and then also, uh, I had to go to Costco for some reason. So I took Shai Resnick and Uri Shaked on a trip to Costco, and they were like, Whoa, Costco. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're both from Israel, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, that was like totally random, but. You know, we did that and then uh, got uh, Ben Lesh and Shy in bed together to do a podcast. <laughs> so, I don't know, just like, you know, you got to do so many cool things if you just like open your mind to, to getting to know people and, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea, I, was wa- yeah. I was wondering if on the cruise, whether like I could just hang out in the hot tub with a glass of champagne and will you be wearing that, from the uh, bubbly. Uh, sequin uh, suit that you have, that gold <laughs> just from suit. the top up. Uh, the we can do, we can do a session called pontificating with Ward. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I, I was thinking it'd be like tub time with Ward or tub something. Time. Ward. Perfect. Oh, there's a marketing <laughs> in your future. Tub time. Yeah. One of the things so we, that I would love to see more more in conferences is those relationships getting formed. And there's people that will go out and have conversations in the hallway, like John and Ward, but not everybody feels that way. You might come with a group of people. And so I'm really excited for the cruise specifically because there's these excursions, right? So you'll be in smaller groups of people and you'll be able to meet them and interact with them and be with them for a few hours and actually form some relationships that could last long beyond the cruise. You got to talk to Victor Savkin about his font, which is my favorite. Or his many spreadsheets, his, like, life spreadsheets, also one of my favorite topics. (laughs) Yes, spreadsheets on life. Like, I won't go into more detail, but it is the most amazing thing ever. And once you get him started, it's, like, the best. It's my favorite (laughs) to get Victor started. He is wonderful that way. I I have a different question for you organizer types. Um, A lot happens at meals. Um, And I'm not sure that those... Because you know, it's got something to do. It's a little bit like bowling. You, you don't have to sustain a conversation for long before it's your turn. Put a fork in your mouth or throw the ball down the lane. Mm-hmm. So, but, but how do you make it so that um, people sit at new tables, break it up? What, have you had any thoughts on how to turn that into the, you know, explore those possibilities? Tons of thoughts and nothing that's really worked out so far. Really? Why hasn't it worked out? 
Well, you got we have a couple of problems. One is, so we've, we've thought about this with ng-conf, and that is we would, like, assign people uh, a table, right? And so you have to show up to this table, and you're sitting with a bunch of new strangers, and we're kind of forcing you to stretch your wings a little bit and meet new people. But then you have the people that are going to be very upset because they came with a close friend from work, or they went and a friend that they barely, hardly ever see anymore but is also going to the conference is now there at the conference with them, and... This is the first time they get to be with them, so they want to choose who they spend their time with. Now, what you don't want is for them to come with a, you know five guys from work um, uh, and or five people from work and then just be stuck with them the whole time and never meet another person. You want them to have a chance to meet with those people and talk with them, but you also would like them to form new relationships and new friendships. And so encouraging that to me is very difficult, and I, I, I wish that there was better ways to make that happen. But I think, I think that- that's actually that's actually like another. So what I found, which I, I like love and I don't love at the same time, is when you go to a conference or you enter into a community and you don't know anybody, you create relationships and form relationships and bonds. But I think for a lot of the speakers, since we know everybody and it's like basically just hanging out with our friends, mm-hmm. then we don't get to experience the magic of being able to uh, meet other people and like create those relationships that, that are so important. Right. One of my biggest fears as an organizer is that somebody comes to a conference with no coworkers, doesn't know anybody and doesn't meet anybody and just feels, you know, basically lonely the whole time. Sure. They they get the learning, but they just, they don't, make any social connections. Maybe they're an introvert. They want to go up to their room afterwards and program, which is fine. But I still want that person to leave my conference having met some new people and, you know, somebody they can just talk to now and then on Twitter. Uh, And hopefully one of those people or a few of those people are going to be luminaries, right? Speakers and stuff that they know about. And a few of those just could be other attendees that are similar to them. And I want that to happen and that's one of my biggest fears is that, that there will be people that, for whom that doesn't happen. Mm. Well, I think as long as you create a welcoming environment, uh, that those kind of things do happen organically. It's when, like you mentioned earlier, like forcing people to sit at a table, that those kind of things like that don't work for people who don't feel comfortable uh, being put in a situation that they didn't mm-hmm. choose to be in. But when you make it comfortable, like one of the best situations I've ever seen was uh, the old Mix conference that Microsoft used to run. One of the best things they did was they would put like a common room and they would name it something funky. But this common room would have vendors in the outside, but in the entire middle, there'd be like couches and chairs and whiteboards and sodas and drinks, uh, Xboxes, and everybody would just organically gather in that area. And it was a huge area and little like pockets of people and just start having conversations. And when you have those kind of things, like you have the game room, for example, at NGCOM, those kind of things happen with no pressure. Right. And I believe that people have a good time that way. Yeah, really, last year you know, it was actually one of I, I came with friends to NGConf and they were all going out to a movie and I told them, You guys go ahead and I, I went by myself to the game room and um I met some people and they were actually fellow D and D players and so we 
like talked with like one of the guys was a dm and he's like hey i can throw together a game real quick and he literally did and it was amazing and so we're trying to make plans to get together now again this year with the same like group of people and maybe add some more but it was something where i you know i had to make that conscious decision to not go hang out with the friends that i came with and like i i think everyone like at the end of the day you can only do so much as an organizer where you're providing the space but like tracy said early on in the podcast you're really just providing this space to let it happen organically and you can't like like manhandle them into these you will have fun and meet new people right (laughs) well so i've had a couple of experiences at conferences that had a big impression on me and one of them was plural sites author conference uh, oh they, yeah, they their co- author summit. Yeah, they did it a couple of years for a few years, then they stopped because the cost got, I guess, too much for them. But those were amazing, and one of the things that was amazing about it was they had the whole conference was organized as open spaces. There wasn't any. I think maybe on the second day there was like some lightning talks, but the primary focus was open spaces, and all the topics were not. No topic was decided when the conference started. You just got together in the morning, you decided on a bunch of topics, they scheduled out time for those topics, and then you sat and talked about those things, right? And that was great because I met a ton of people that were interested in the things that I was interested in, right? Mm-hmm. And I loved that. And it made give me a, a very nice, organized way to meet new people on a personal level because we talked about something that we both had an interest in. So I loved that part of of that conference and I've always looked to try to do similar things at my conferences as well ways that you give people a topic that they care about and that they're interested in and then put them together and then friendships will get formed right so it's like it's mm-hmm. almost like manhandling them into a new relationship <laughs> right but you do it because they want to it's not like hey here's some random person you're sitting next to them now you guys have to talk, right? But instead, you give them something to do. So I've had a bunch of ideas, and these not all of these were my ideas, about trying to other ways to do this besides open spaces. One of the funniest ideas that we didn't implement but is still there in the back of my mind is developer speed dating. Oh, my goodness. Tell me more about – wait, is it like actually dating or is it no. just like you're – No, it's can, just to meet is, people. Actually, this is actually um, – I've done this before. Oh, really? So – yeah, well, okay, so it sounds scary or weird or awkward <laughs> or, you know, you can many many words to describe what you're talking about. Um, but <laughs> I, 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 I've done this, number one, for dating, number two, like, only because I was doing research. <laughs> but, <laughs> you don't have to be embarrassed, Jason. That's cool. Yeah, that's what you're <laughs> but um but then I did it for a conference as well and what was so great about it is you know in 3 minutes you have you've like talked to people enough. I actually do this for um another event I do called Venture Hacked and what Venture Hacked is is entrepreneurs and investors getting together and speed investing so everybody gets 4 minutes with each investor to pitch and you you line them up together. And I did it last time because there was an extra space. And I can tell you that, like, four minutes is enough. Like, way too much time. Like, sometimes, because if somebody's awkward, for example, you're like, okay, I only have to deal with this for a few more minutes. But mm-hmm. in four minutes, you can get to know enough about the person to understand if you want to actually, like, hang out with them again. Right. Right. Or if you can help each other somehow. So I would love to see that at NGConf or anywhere else. Yeah. So my idea was to pre-print business cards for everybody because we know who the attendees are. 
and we'd have blank ones for people that their name changed. You know, we had a last minute attendee jump in, but you'd already have business cards, and you'd be you'd, you basically do like the, what you're talking about. You have three minutes with this random person. You could exchange business cards, and then you go to the next person, right? And just ways to meet people. But I always kind of felt like that was a little bit heavy handed. The people that were only extroverts would, you know, would sign up and be involved unless you force. You think everybody so? To. You don't think introverts would do it? Not necessarily. Yeah, so we've actually done this at, at my company um, where we did it with uh, – we called it like speed meeting. Hmm. And we have such a large company that I work at that when we do get together, we have these kind of things. And they're five minutes each. And we tried it. We started out by doing it with executives, meaning a regular old person can meet with an executive for five minutes, you know, chance you don't normally get. Uh, and then we kind of expanded on it to do it with anybody in the company. And we found that the people who do it – yes, the extroverts do it, but we found that it got really popular with everybody. So it's it's kind of neat, actually. Yeah, I feel like once people tried it, they would be more interested in it. But for people that were scared and just thought, "Oh, that just seems awkward and and weird," I wouldn't go. And I, I think open spaces are a little bit the same way, right? When I first went to the uh, Plural Site Author Summit and found out it was all about open spaces, at first I was like, "Oh, this is going to be odd." And then I went to my first session, and then it was amazing. Right. Yeah. Just yeah, they're hit it. or miss, though, to be honest. So I like open spaces a lot, but sometimes you walk into one and you're like, this is awful. And yeah. the you good news out. is you can walk right back yeah, out. That's walk what's out. great about open spaces. If you're doing, you know, your typical way where there's five or ten going on at the same time, you just go off to the well, next Sometimes one. they're just ranting about something. Right. And you're right. like, you know what? I want nothing to do with this. I'm a positive kind of person. I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. <laughs> But sometimes they're awesome. You're right. You meet really great people. Or it's, it's a topic you're really interested in. It's uh, pretty cool. And sometimes the rants are the best. I don't know if you uh, remember. <laughs> this is at the author summit. Billy, what's his name? Hollis? What? Hollis, yes. Billy, I, I mean, you say Billy and you say rant and I say Hollis. <laughs> yes. You know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, he was ranting and it <laughs> was awesome. One of my favorite people. One of my oh, yeah. favorite people. That guy's awesome. awesome. You can't. You cannot have an amazing conversation, or you, you cannot have a conversation with Billy that isn't amazing. It's impossible. But he has got. He always has something that he's going off about. Yeah, he makes Ward look like an unopinionated guy. I am totally. Idiot. Wow. <laughs> I really need to meet this person. Oh yeah, you do actually. Yeah, he's awesome. Billy is. Yeah, in all seriousness, Billy is a wonderful person. He's he's a good friend of ours. Yeah. Yeah, I love Billy. And that was a great. That was great for me. It was the first time, and it was also pretty interesting because the very first conference I ever went to was a Microsoft conference, and Billy presented, and I was just blown away by how awesome he was. Right, and then here, Excellent. years later, I get to have this conversation in the hallway with him that was just fantastic. Yeah, the open spaces are good. I think what helps open spaces a lot is when there's a little bit of uh, guidance. You know. Uh, like the way Pluralsight did, I think was good because if I recall, they had somebody who was there who kind of helped moderate it a little bit, like when they were deciding on what those open spaces would be. Where I've seen it fail is when it's like, okay, everybody, this is what an open space is. Now go write down ideas on a board. And most of the people in the room have no idea what they're doing. So just having a little bit of guidance kind of tell them how to start it off, usually um, the rest of it is kind of all on autopilot. Mm hmm. Well, I think it was a really, really amazing show, and I have so much to look forward to as far as the upcoming NG Cruise and Conf, and also just things that are giving me ideas for even small meetups that I do here locally in Orlando. So thank you, Joe and Tracy, for being on the show today. It was really amazing. Um, let's do some picks before we sign off. Uh, John? 
Yeah, I've got uh, just one today. It's uh, home automation, which I've been wanting to tinker with for a while. Uh, I've had an Amazon Echo for a bit, and mostly I use it for, so my kids can tell jokes to each other, <laughs> uh, which is just an awful reason to buy it. <laughs> but we've been using it lately for, I bought uh, LifeX, light bulbs, L-I-F-X. Uh, so I thought it was LifeX. Is it LifeX? Maybe. I don't know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know, I'm going to call it LifeX, like LiFX. I don't know. Anyway, so they're light bulbs that have Wi-Fi built into them. And the cool thing is there's the Philip Hughes and there's the GE ones and there's some others. But what's cool about these is the colors they give are true colors. Like if you turn it to blue, it's blue. If you turn it to purple, it's purple. Whereas like with the Philip Hughes and some of the others, if you say it's blue, it might come out greenish. Um, the colors aren't true. Uh, the nice thing is they're really easy to set up and you can connect them with your Amazon Echo or your Google Home and you can turn your lights on or off with voice command, which is pretty cool. And you can actually change color or increase the light temperature. Uh, pretty neat stuff. And then they have, a, they have a disco mode, don't they, John, as I recall? <laughs> they do. They do. I, 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 I love that one when you showed it to me. Oh, I yeah. thought he was joking, but he's serious. No, no, they have a, it's called strobe light, which is, I put it on for three seconds, like, that's enough of that. Yeah, I love it's this. enough to make you puke, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but then there's another tool uh, called Wemo, which I think Belkin makes these. It's basically, um, what I wanted to do is I wanted to automate my Christmas tree so it would turn on and off at certain times. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's just a simple plug, you plug into the wall, connects the oh. Wi-Fi, and you t put it on a timer. We have our outdoor Christmas lights plugged into our Wemo, and I actually have a LifeX bulb in the lamp at my desk that I'm staring at right now. So you go, John. You go. <laughs> They're awesome. I've actually gotten quite a, quite a hook on these, and I'm looking for more things to automate in my house now. Now my wife is laughing at me. She's like, all you have to do in your home office is you have to get your fan hooked up to it. I'm like, oh, they sell those too. So that's my next project. Very nice. Uh, what about you, Ward? Do you have any picks? Well, I just saw a movie about with Pierce Brosnan about IT in which a guy comes into a smart home and wires it up, and then he then he stalks the family, <laughs> and everything goes south. So it's the perfect antidote to the smart home that John was just talking about. Uh, yeah, it's basically a redo of what was that movie where she boils the rabbit? I don't know. Anyway, what? fatal attraction. <laughs> Fatal. Yeah, it's a picture, no. Fatal Attraction, and what was that guy? There was a movie like this a couple of years ago with, um, I forget the gentleman's name that he was in it, but they did the same kind of thing, home automation, and the guy took over the house on him. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, and uh, then he's got to fight his way free, and then they discover that everything is spying on them. And Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I, uh, that's how I think about home automation. <laughs> Doesn't he know that that's James Bond? You can't screw with James Bond. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so did, was there actually t a title to that movie? It's called IT. IT, okay, okay. Yeah, cool. it's exactly my image of what somebody in DevOps is doing, and I, <laughs> why I, IT people and I, <clears throat> we need to work it out. Oh, well, that's a lovely pick. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, IT. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tracy, what about you? Do you have any picks? Sure. Um, we were just talking about sous vide machines earlier. So if you guys like to cook or even don't like to cook, I would highly recommend checking out a sous vide machine. It's S-O-U-S-V-I-D-E. And a new one just came out. It's called Joule, J-O-U-L-E. 
And what is so amazingly beautiful about this is you can literally stick food into a bag and then um, cook it at the perfect temp and then everything turns out exactly perfectly the way you want. So I love doing salmon on it or chicken and I'll just like literally buy stuff from Costco, dump it in, like put it in bags, dump it in the freezer and then like for the entire week I have food that's delicious that I don't really have to worry about. Um, yeah. And then my second pick is actually, um, contributor days. So I'm doing this thing called contributor days. It's contributordays.com and it's currently three of them. We're doing it for angular react and RxJS. But the whole idea is to get framework authors and prolific open source contributors together to talk about future of whatever specific framework or library, and then actually be able to facilitate hack sessions. And like, you know, we're talking about open space for conferences, have sort of like an afternoon open space of, hey, here's the new changes in RxJS, or here's the new architecture that we've been working on. Or, oh, we really, you know, we see that Vue.js is trying to implement this uh, RxJS in something. Um, So if you guys want to participate, you can just go to contributordays.com and apply, and then hopefully join us for one of those. Very cool. Very nice. And then I think, Joe, have you? do you have any picks for us today? I do. So um, this pick probably slipped Ward's mind. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I know that he was going to pick it and he meant to. So uh-huh. I'll just pick it for him. There's a movie, <laughs> movie that recently came out about, uh, about wars that happen in the stars. <laughs> Yeah. And I know yeah. that Ward went and saw it recently. Is that right, Ward? I did. I saw it in IMAX 3D, got as close to the screen as I could. So I want to uh, hear what you thought of it. Um, well, it was better than the other one. The <laughs> 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 you know, um, dialogue was better, you know, which isn't saying much, but it was a step up from the previous Star Wars. I have to say, though, it's really hard looking at those things and watching them kill each other and not think about, um, God, I'm Debbie Downer today. But but I was just like, you know, and one of the tropes in Star Wars is that the stormtroopers go by and they talk about banal things. You know, well, you know, I took the wife out to this and then the baby fell down the drain and, you know, I'm like, and then bang, they get shot in the head by, by one of the... Um, uh, the rebels, and you start to wonder who there are. Who are the good guys here? I mean, it's just a bunch of stormtroop. You know, they're just guys with a job, and they're getting cut up. So I don't know, Joe. I for <laughs> me, it's a strange moral universe. My, you know, Ward. My husband looks over and glares at me because whenever the adats start walking onto the screen, the big like white walking yeah. monster things, I started cheering in the movie theater. I was like, yeah. I may already be on the dark side, so I love that you're questioning who's right and who's wrong here. So uh, it's good stuff, Ward. Good stuff. All right. (laughs) So that's going to be my first pick. And this is a a little bit of a geek announcement, but it's not because I love the movie so much because I kind of did it before the movie actually came out. But I even went and bought me the Star Wars Nissan Rogue edition of the Nissan Rogue. Wait, what? Did you really? I totally did. Wait, I don't have it yet. Did? It won't. It won't come for another oh, like week. I was like, picks, oh picks, please. <laughs> oh god, I got the Kia Vader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's a little it's a little matchbox toy yeah Yep. Oh my goodness, that makes me so happy. Yeah, we, um, we needed a new vehicle, so uh, I, I bought one of those. Um, that's too much. Yep. Um, I also want to, uh, of course, pick the cruise, right? Come come along with us to the cruise and have an awesome time. I played a board game recently called Adrenaline, which was super awesome. It's a board game that's it's basically a first-person shooter in board game form. Right? What? Yes, it was super cool. It was so awesome. You know, it's it's basically strategic now because you, it's not like Twitch where you have to aim. Uh, but you run around on a board and you shoot people and then they, you frag them and they respawn and then they shoot you back. And it's, <laughs> That's amazing. It's super awesome. Oh, it's called Adrenaline. It was so fun. There's there's like 25 different weapons you can get, the rail gun and the rocket. And with the rocket launcher, you can even rocket jump and move yourself while you shoot other people. It was it was super great. I was I got it as a Christmas present. Totally, oh god, totally enjoyed playing it. <laughs> and can finally, I can I can I go back and give a plus one for Tracy's sous vide idea? By the way, if you haven't tried that, you should give it a go. And you don't have to you don't have to shoot anybody in the head to use it, as I recall. <laughs> yeah, you know the other thing is people are like, oh, that seems so what you know it seems hard to use or something or I don't cook, but. It makes cooking and things delicious so easy. Like, you want a medium rare steak, and you got it. You want poached eggs, you got it. Like, literally, it is the most amazing invention ever. So, yes. uh, one final pick. Wasim, uh, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Shagram. He sent Can out we this- just call him Manikaniko? Manikaniko. <sighs> <laughs> he sent out this tweet earlier today that is so awesome. It's it his is. Google Home where he talks to it. It's it goes into Ben Lesh mode. Ben Lesh is the, the contributor to RxJS, and he gets it. To, he asks it questions about RxJS about operators, and it talks back. It basically reads the documentation to him, but basically it's talking back to him, telling him, and it's in this man's voice. It's somewhat similar to Ben, right? Oh my goodness! Telling him the information about, and at one point he says. Make me an observable. And it says, okay, congratulations, you're an observable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please link me to this tweet. Oh, please. it's so awesome. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Very cool stuff. One of the one of those kind, kinds of things that you just think, man, I wish that I'd thought of that. So that's my Very. final pick. And the, the link to that tweet will be in the show notes. Awesome. Uh, my one and only pick is for Overwatch. Joe, you shamed me into trying something other than Mercy. So I have three new characters to report for you. I'm now efficient with um, Zenyatta. Yes, another healer. Nice. And also um, Bastion. And then I'm actually getting pretty good at Zarya. So. Awesome. <laughs> But yes, I didn't want to. He, he shamed me. He was like, "You can't be that typical girl, Alyssa, who plays Mercy twenty four seven. So, even though most of my play of the games are Mercy. Mm. <laughs> oh well, this is a really awesome show, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us and telling us all about non traditional conferences. And I think that's a wrap. See ya. Awesome. All right, that was fun. Good job, Alyssa. Thanks for coming, Tracy. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was actually a really good show. I really liked that. That Yeah, I really did too.